0: you are listening to the sun grove podcast for more information please visit our website at sungrove.org i i really like this place you might not have known what's going on here the last few weeks but haven't you enjoyed the last seven weeks of teaching in this place i mean it's been incredible we've been in a seven week series and that is now ended and i'm grateful i get to follow dudley um because he's you know um But real quick, I love this place. I love to get to serve in the high school ministry with my wife, Mindy. If you don't know her, you might hear me call her Melinda. Those aren't two different people. I have one wife. Her name is Mindy or Melinda. Um, You might have heard about the women who just got back from their retreat. You women are crazy in this church. I love you, but you're crazy. Baptizing one another in Lake Tahoe. I mean, one of you is sitting right here. You're crazy. You can stand up. We'll all cheer for you. Oh, you don't have to stand up. It's like, don't do it sorry. Well, we think it's fun. Don't we think it's fun baptizing somebody? Ladies are nuts. Love this place. I think it's pretty special. You might not know this, but this is last week. Your children's middle school, high school, uh, and young adult pastors and leaders are all together trying to come up with a unified plan of discipleship from birth through adults. I mean, that's happening in this place, trying to get together and be a team. This is a special place. Of course, I love the high school students, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you more than others? No, that's not true. You guys are all great. Today, we are talking about unity in the church. It's actually part six of a message that we're doing in high school. So basically, you're joining us in high school. We couldn't all fit in there, so we invited you guys to come join us down here. This is part six in a message on community, and uh, it's titled Unity in the Church. Before we get to that, you're in our house as the youth department, so we like to have a little bit of fun. It's what we do. So, we're going to play a little game. It's called Family vs. Family, Name That Tune. So, what I do I have a couple. I got my buddy John right here. He's on UStab with me. I got Ryan. I need two families that are willing to play Name That Tune. It's got to be family, two people. You know, it can be uh, husband, wife. It can be grandparents, kids. Just a family that's represented here to play Family, Name That Tune. We won't bring you up on stage. It won't be embarrassing. Just raise your hand so they can find you. I need a family on this side of the room. Come on, family. It's Name That Tune. I'm going to make you. Do- oh, we got one back there. Perfect. You guys can just go in the aisle. We need one more on this side. John, you need to find a family. If you can't find one, I'm going to start picking. Come on. I'll pick. You know I'll pick you. You know I will. Okay, I won't. You'll do it. Thank you. Thank you. We got a, we got a family right So you guys can just go into the aisle if you would because you can't look at the screen. The rest of us get to look at the screen. And we're going to start with the first song here. You can't look at the screen because that will be too easy. Just look at your person back there. Ryan, you guys ready to go back there? Okay. John, you ready? First one, name that tune. Don't help them if you know it. No, you know it. Don't. Raise your hand if you know it in the audience. As soon as you know it, raise your hand. Come on, you know it now. Raise both hands if you know who sings it also. You got it, We got it. Name that tune, what is it? They got it, home. Who has never heard that song before? Raise your hand. Never heard it. You need to get out more. I'm just saying, that's all over the place. How have you not heard that song? OK, number two, number two. Ryan, you guys ready? Here we go. Song number two. Take a look. Raise your hand if you know it. Both hands. She's dancing with her hands. I like it. Everybody know it? Both hands. you know who sings it? How do you guys not know this one, right? We got it, we got it. Okay. Stop. You know what, Ryan? I do want to hold your hand. Okay. They got it first. They got first. It's tied, one to one. Gary, this is the tiebreaker, last one. Concentrate. Here we go. This is the big one. In fact, as soon as if you know in the audience, stand up when you know this one. Stand up if you know it. See, that was quick. Oh yeah. Stand up. Everybody know, who does not know this song? Look at that video, that's high quality right there. You can't help but move up. Okay, great, who got it first? They got it first. The Champions, yes! Bonus points if you can name that band. Anybody? We Sister what? Oh, very, yeah. He's in the back dance. No, know he just did the dance. That was nice. That was a good dance move. I can't believe I just danced. I swore I wouldn't dance. I said, Do not do it. My wife made me promise not to dance. It just happened. <laughs> we are family. We are family. Unity in the church. I know that's a, you know, an attempt to try to have it make sense. We have fun. It never makes sense. But I just say, well, whatever, roll with it. <laughs> that's just what we do in high school. John, my buddy right here. Where'd John go? Is he still around? Okay, John. Just got engaged. How fun is that, right? <laughs> <laughs> just got engaged to Amy, two people coming together to unite, to join a family, and to make a family. You have to get practical, right? And we know, all of us that have been here, you want to say, hey John, you got to get practical. you got to figure out where you're going to live. Everybody remember your first grocery trip? You got your place, your little apartment, or your little studio, whatever it is, and you go shopping. I remember going shopping our first time, and I, you know, like any good man and, and bachelor, I came in with in my shopping cart, the four food groups, right? No. Ice cream, Doritos, steak, and Mountain Dew. I mean, what else is there? Doesn't that cover, right? I got guys going, "Ah, yeah, that's pretty much all you need to survive. Of course, my wife had a list. You know, you make a list to go shopping? Apparently, you know, when you get married, wives do that. Just some knowledge for you, you might want to hold on to. On her list are going to be things you've never thought of, like toilet brushes, you mean you clean a toilet? Oh. oh, never knew. Good. Glad you got a list. <laughs> Glad I got a wife. You know? You're gonna figure out things like where you're gonna go on your honeymoon? I don't care who's in here. Nobody in here has a better honeymoon than some friends of ours in our community group. They went on a year long honeymoon. For a year, they traveled the world and surfed the best surf spots in the world. Right? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You got to figure that stuff out. In fact, when you're on your honeymoon, it's unlike any other vacation you ever take in your life, right? If you take a vacation, your boss still knows you're on vacation, but they'll still call you, right? I know you're on vacation, but not on your honeymoon. Wait, where, where, where's John? He's on his honeymoon. Darn it, when's he back? It's the only time everyone has this like secret idea of a honeymoon. You got to get spiritual stuff figured out. You're going to join a couples group now, a married couples group. It's so cute. I think I just got a little sick. Um, <clears throat> you have to figure out financial stuff, right? And, and I don't recommend this, John. Don't, don't do this. You're going to think it, but don't say it. Why, why do you need another pair of shoes? You, know, you don't, you don't want to say that? <laughs> because she's going to come right back. Well, why do you need golf clubs? Right? Why? Why? You already have golf clubs. Well, yeah, but these ones will fix my slice. How about you just get better? <laughs> anyway, you don't need that conversation in your marriage. It's starting out. You don't need it. But you got to come together, two people coming together, and being united is difficult. So how in the world are we, look around at the people around you, all different ages, all different stages in life, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different races, education levels, and even just preferences. How are we supposed to come together and be united? Is it even possible for us to do it? Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians 2. And as you're doing that, um, you know, let's just pray real quick as we do this. God, we're, we're about to dive into a passage that is incredible, powerful, impossible. We beg you, we need you to come in and open our minds and have this make sense and, and to change us. We beg you, Lord, our Father who is here and loves us to move in a mighty way help us to have this make sense and be clear so we'd be more like your son pray this in your son's name everybody said amen thank you <clears throat> philippians 2 paul's writing to the philippian church and he's writing to them in in prison he's in jail and he started this church he loves this church and this church loves him they kind of have a special relationship in chapter 1 of philippians verse 7 he says this you have a special place in my heart. He tells them that. This is a great church. They're solid theologically. It's very clear. Um, He's also very clear that this letter is written to all of the people in the church, but also the deacons and the elders. Like this is a leadership whole church issue. Unity. Chapter 2 starts with an if-then statement. Now, I'm kind of a nerd. You look at me like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm a nerd at heart. I was a computer programmer uh, in college, and um, an if-then statement is very huge in programming. I actually had a slide that I was going to do, but I thought, well, all you guys are going to look and go, well, that's just nerd talk, you know, so but an if-then statement is very important, and the reason why I want to make sure this is clear is so that you get that an if-then statement says, a statement number one, if this is true, then this is always going to follow. An if-then statement, it's not like it's a, a, an if, oh, if this happens. It's saying, well, when this is true, or since this is true, because this is true, this has to happen. Philippians chapter 2 starts with an if-then statement. Philippians 2.1. If you have your notes, you can grab that out real quick. We have a fill-in-the-blank here. If you have a relationship with Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ... It says it this way in Philippians 2.1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, because you love Christ, and he knows these people do, he knows, it's very clear to him, he's heard what's going on in the church and he knows these people, so let's just turn it into Sun Grove language with me real quick. This is what it would would feel like if Paul was writing it to us. He would say something like this. If your identity is in Christ. When you walked into this room, you passed four banners that were up above you. And the first one is identity. If your identity is in Christ, we look back at Sun Grove and we look back at Jesus' life when his identity became very clear to everyone around him. When at his baptism, the Father says to him three words. Remember what they are? You are my Son, this is my son right here. Paul's saying the same thing. If your identity is in Christ, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, next at Sun Grove, we would use a term, if your formation is in Christ. We look back at Jesus' life when he was tried and tested and tempted in the desert. When you are formed in these moments, it's almost when your faith becomes real. Sun Grove Church, we have a banner. It says formation. Here, Paul says, you have any comfort from his love? And, and why would he say this? Does he know something about these Philippians people? He, Philippian people he does? He knows that they are suffering. We know this from chapter 1, verse 29. Paul says, you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, not only is your identity in Christ, but you also have the privilege of suffering for him. See, they know he's in jail. He knows that they're being put in jail and suffering and being persecuted. This is their pastor who knows what's going on. He loves them and he's hurting for them. Paul's in jail and he wishes he could be there to encourage them. And what he says next is crucial, the then statement, because the people of the church, when this letter was being read, they would understand, here's the if, we got it, we're with you, Paul, what do you want us to do? What's next? What's the then? Then unite together. Then unite together. Philippians 2.2 2 says, then make my joy complete. We'll get to that in just a minute. But he says, then be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So real quick, the the then statement, make my joy complete. Paul gets a little personal here. It's really interesting. He could have just gone straight from the if to the then, but he makes a little statement, make my joy complete. Made me think, I wonder if we're a, are we a, a joy to Pastor Dave? To the senior pastor here, I wonder if we're a joy to him. As my boss, I wonder if I'm a joy It's also neat because he's saying, you make my joy complete. It's like he's 90%, you know, filled with joy. And this one last little thing, this next 10% is going to complete his joy. How does he have joy in prison? That's another sermon. But isn't that amazing how he gets personal right there? Just love that. How does he want us to unite together? Two ways. Let's go to Sun Grove Speak here. Be united in community, the third banner as you walked in. Be united in community, John 13, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's almost like when we go to the Christmas party, and we're going we're gonna to follow Matt's lead, and he tells us to bring our neighbors, bring our coworkers, so we're going to do it, and we bring them here, and they see how we treat one another. And it's unlike anything they're used to seeing. We've been talking in the ETH ministry about being people who don't gossip, celebrate other people's failures and mistakes. We live in a world that celebrates failures and mistakes of other people. In fact, there's newspapers, TV shows dedicated to people's failures and shortcomings. But when they come and they see this place, the church, they would realize that this place is different. They love each other. Um... 15, 15 years ago or so when I was 20, and some of you just did the math and you realized 15 years ago when I was 30, <laughs> I had lunch with Pastor Dave. Now at the time we had worked together, we'd been friends in high school, um, but now he was working at a different place and we got together and we had lunch. He was talking to me how life is going. I said, well for the last two weeks I've kind of had this, this headache. It's been really bothering me. have been to the doctor a couple times. In fact, um, it's, it's still bothering me. He's like, yeah, I can tell. And he says, you know what? At the end of the lunch, he says, Mike, something's wrong. You need to go to the doctor. I said, I just went at 11. That's why we're meeting, because the doctor was right there, and we grabbed lunch. He says, oh, no, you need to go back. What had happened, or what was happening to me, was that I went in, and I went back. It was about 1 o'clock when I went back to the doctor, and I sat there, and I don't really remember everything, except that at about 5.30 in the evening... They came to me and they said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I need to see the doctor. And, well, you're already here. He said, yeah, but I came back. And again, this is all kind of blurry to me, but somehow they contacted my family. And I don't know what really happened other than they gave me some medicine, some prednisone. And um, what I was suffering was from a thing called encephalitis, where your brain is swelling. And Dave could notice. That's community. When you love one another, you can just see that they're not doing well. Something's not right. Now, real quick. Pastor Dave, when he tells this story, I'm sure this is how he says it. I saved Mike's life. Right? Right? <laughs> Pastors will do that, right? They go, ah, I saved his life. Yeah. Pastor Dave, if he's ever told that story, I don't know if he has. If, has he ever said, ah, I, saved, I saved a man's life one time. He was dying of cephalitis. When I tell the story, let me be very clear. Pastor Dave, you did not save my life. What you did was told me I was dying, patted me on the back and said, hey, go see the doc. Good luck. I'm out of here. I got to go back to work. Right? He didn't save my life. Let's be clear. But it was community. It was community. I'm grateful. We can come in here on Sundays for an hour, hour and 10 minutes, and we can pretend. But you only get known in a community group. only get known in a community group. Be united in mission. So if that's being united in love, right? Be united in community. There's another idea here that Paul wants us to grab, which is be united in mind, in your thoughts, which is mission. And this is huge. I mean, you saw the um, mission stuff that we're doing around this church. If you don't know about it, it's awesome. There's a meeting, I think today at one o'clock. I mean, the mission stuff this church does is amazing, but it's united around one idea. And listen to this idea, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Underline go. Because we can stay here and we can hang out in community, which is great, because once you build great community, all of a sudden you don't want anyone else to come into your life group. You don't want anyone to come into your community group where you, where you get to know one another, because it becomes close and you're, you're friends. You don't want to add anybody else because that will mess up the community. Jesus says, no, no. Go get them and bring them in. You can't stay there. Church, we can pretend, um, sorry, we can stay comfortable and close. We can stay comfortable and close, but our mission must include reaching more. Easy, we get it. Turn the page. Unity, unity in the church. Your, Your sheet should be done, filled in, close it up, we walk out. The problem is when you get practical on this, The wheels fall off. So try to track with me here for just a minute. Here's some practical ways unity comes under attack in the church. Start to question the strategy. If we said today, you know, uh, it's almost like Paul here knows what, what he's about to do. And if we did something similar, verse 14 in Philippians 1, right after this passage we just read about unity. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So I read that verse and this is what I'm going to tell you next. We're going to increase the volume of the music 20% and sing one new song every week. The strategy. I hear the increased music and <laughs> I've broken both eardrums. Like, I mean, oh, we start to question it. You, you, you might think, well, what new song are they going to sing? Well, the Bible says, sing unto me a new song. Okay, that's why we're doing it. I get it. But I like this song. Now, all of our preferences start to come to the surface. I like this style. I like that style. How can we be unified? When it gets practical, it gets messy. Are you with me? Why do we have a Christmas party and not a worship service? I don't know. But I'm going to follow Matt. And I want to just line myself up with him. And, and that unity, I know it's not easy, but we're going to do it. This is where it really gets messy. Ready for this? Question the leader. Question the leader, the person. Not the strategy. Now you're attacking the person. Paul says this in verse 25. Philippians 2, right after this, he says this. I'm sending you Timothy soon, but for now I'm sending you Epaphroditus. It seems like nothing. Well, this is huge. This is a bomb because these people love Timothy. Paul and Timothy were there from the beginning. Epaphroditus is one of them. He, Paul's over here in jail, and they actually send Epaphroditus to go talk to Paul and communicate. and like That's how Paul's getting this info is what's going on in the church. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm sure you'd love Timothy. I'm going to send you Timothy soon. But for now, I have to make a leadership decision. I'm going to send you Epaphroditus. I know he's one of you. He's actually pretty beat up too. Like he kind of needs you. He almost died here and he sends him back. And I can just imagine the turmoil in that church questioning Paul. It reminds me of Israel wandering in the desert, fighting and having to eat manna. And this group of people, this faction, the people who are grumbling and complaining. They say, let's pick a new leader. Forget Moses. You know all that stuff that God did with Moses? Forget that guy. Let's get a new leader. Unity is fragile. In chapter 4, verse 2 of Philippians, just a few chapters down the road, listen to this. I plead with Iodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, we don't really know what's going on here, but two people get named out, like by name. They get singled out from everyone else in this Philippian church. And they get singled out, and this is what's said about them. Be of the same mind. It's almost like, now I'm just saying, it doesn't say this in the text at all, but um, I imagine when Paul dropped, let's just say Paul drops this bomb about Timothy, and, and is like, oh, I love Timothy. We need Timothy. And she's a leader. Both these women are leaders in this church. I mean, they're solid leaders, probably there from the beginning. And can't you imagine them grabbing people to join my team? No, we need Timothy. And then there's Syntyche, and and Paul might know because he knows her well, that she's going to gather in her team of people. No, Paphroditus, we need to take care of him. We need to love on him. Patch him up. Factions. We don't know the issue, but we know it's not theological because if it was, Paul would address it because that's what Paul does. It's some kind of style, strategy, or some personal preference. It doesn't matter. Don't choose sides. In church, in church, if you ever feel the pressure to choose sides, your name might be talked about for generations It's hard for me because I've been a part of a church that split. And as it did, I, I watched the thing get ripped apart. And then I remember watching students who we'd worked with for years who were the crazy rebels. And then they find Jesus and you watch their whole life change. They go to Hume Lake and they really start to make strides. And then this whole church thing happens and they look at me and they say, Mike, you told me church was different. Mike, you told me that Jesus is in these people and that I should trust the leadership and I should trust these people in this church. You told me this was different than my family. This is just like my family who doesn't know God. Paul says, make my joy complete, having the same love, the same mind in Christ. Okay, If our enemy cannot break this church apart, which let me tell you, this is a great church. I'm not saying all this because I think there's something going on. There's nothing. Like, this is an amazing place. I love this church. But if he can't get the church, you know what he's going to get? Our families. Remember our newlywed couple? couple? Don't you want to just grab them? Everyone in here, right? Been married? You want to just grab them. Like bite at years and look at them in the face and say, let me tell you all the ways, let me warn you of all the ways the enemy is going to try to destroy this thing. Don't pray together, don't laugh together, don't be united on any of that financial or any of that other garbage. That stuff, come on, what are you talking about? Two becoming one, we have an enemy who will spend every day of your marriage trying to rip it apart. Holidays are coming up. Sometimes in my family, I I think of them as fight all days, right? You start bringing family together, can't it just turn chaos, right? Maybe your family's not like mine, my family's all messed up, and and I tell you, the idea of holidays, uh, yay, right? Do you realize that for some people in here, this is going to be the worst holiday season of their entire life? Holidays aren't filled with joy for so many this year. There's going to be thoughts of a lost loved one that's not there this year. They just lost their job, just lost their health. They lost unity in the home a long time ago. Christ is no longer the focus of Christmas. It's just chaos. I'm telling you, the enemy's trying to destroy families. We need each other. We need to unite. It's like Paul's telling this church, our church today, like he might focus more instead of on the church leadership and following the leaders. I mean, this church is so great. And we got Dave who's been here for so long. Like that just helps so much. And we got Matt who's been here so long. And we got Jay. And I mean, I just love this team. And we got Ellen in the children's work. I mean, just love this place. And it's easy to say, well, okay, we got it together. We got volunteers that are killing it. You're the volunteers doing great. This church is amazing. But but the families, like, oh, I just... he's, Paul's saying, I'm in jail and you guys are suffering. I know you're suffering. Just unite together. Come together in community. We need each other. Can you grab that welcome card out of the seat in front of you? Can everyone just do that? If you wouldn't mind, grab it. Grab the pen. That's there too. Everyone needs a card. If you don't have a community group, just put your name, I don't know, phone number, email, whatever, and say, I need a community group. Because I don't want to do this holiday alone. I want to be known. I want to have a relationship with people in this great church. Mike, you're telling me, I'm going to tell you this is a great church. Join a community group. And they'll know that you're trying to fake it. It's a beautiful thing, community. Yeah, I don't have very many answers for any of this stuff other than, I don't know, but we have to do it together. It's kind of Paul's big idea is, look, God has loved us so much So just love one another and come together and encourage one another. Mission, right now on that card, can you just flip it over or I don't know at the bottom, write the name of the person that you're going to bring to our Christmas party. person who needs Jesus. I mean, because if you think our families are messed up with, with Christ, imagine taking Christ out of that. What is there to unify around? It's nothing. Oh my gosh. They need Jesus. Write their name on their card. I, Mike, plead with you. Make my joy complete. Fight for the unity of Sun Grove Church and our families. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.